What's going on, millionaires? You're listening to the Million Dollar Mind podcast, episode 131 on building a brand around your niche. What's up, millionaires? My name is John Lewis, and I am the CEO and founder of The Virtual Legacy. What you can expect from today's podcast is we're going to dive into branding and how to establish your niche and also how to create an online business successfully. I'm going to talk from my perspective of being someone who didn't come from much, came from a small town where it's either sports or entertainment that you make it out and how I was able to overcome that mindset and make it to where I am today, which is owner of a seven-figure business. So make sure you're locked in with us on this podcast, the Million Dollar Mind podcast, as we kick it off. Welcome back to the Million Dollar Mind podcast, the number one passion and attraction podcast in the world. Thanks, of course, to each and every single one of you all who tune in week in and week out. This is the only place for tips and tricks on identifying your passions and attracting opportunities to make a living while living your dreams. As you heard briefly from today's guest, we have John Lewis in the building, who is a former D1 basketball star. He's going to probably tell us a little bit about his journey into, you know, D1 athletics also an online business and branding coach. And he did a, this is pretty cool. He did a commercial with LeBron James. So John, I guess we could start there because when you told me that, <laughs> that, that was pretty random. So how did that commercial with LeBron come into play? And, you know, how, how has that experience kind of left you, you know, with what you currently doing and, you know, the goals that you have for the future? Sure, man. Well, I mean, that was super early on in my career. So I just, I was fresh out of high school, or sorry, fresh out of college basketball when that happened. And I ran across Uncle Ben and Spider McGuire, Spider-Man, got with the blonde spiky hair. It's like, put the money in the bag. So that's Michael Papa John. That's my acting mentor. And basically he randomly hit me up one day and was like, hey, you want to be in a movie? And I was like, of course, like, tell me where I need to be. <laughs> so he's like, come out to Tennessee. You got to drive out here. You got to be out here this weekend. And we're going to put you in a basketball movie. So I drive out immediately. He puts me on set, introduces me to everybody. And one of the people he introduced me to was a guy named Mike Fisher. And he's the guy who makes decisions for Nike, for Adidas, for Under Armour, as far as who's going to be in the commercial. So fast forward a few weeks, I go to this Nike audition. Of course, who's there making the decision? It's the guy, Mike Fisher that I met. And he's just like, you're Papa John's guy. Right. And I'm like, yeah, he's like, all right. He just kind of gave me that nod. So mm -hmm. <laughs> a few weeks later, I get a random call from Nike asking for my shoe size and where I'm flying out. They fly me out first class from Florida to California, put me up in a hotel. And that whole weekend we shot a recreation of the golden state warriors, Cleveland Cavaliers finals game where LeBron goes, runs down Andre Iguodala and blocks Andre Iguodala. And I played Kyrie Irving, so I'm Kyrie in the shot, and then we got young LeBron in the shot, but we kind of, like, recreated that scene. Crazy experience. Being a former athlete, you dream of being doing stuff with Nike, so to be able to do it with Nike, do it with LeBron, pretty crazy experience. <laughs> Man, that 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 is a pretty crazy experience. I can only imagine uh, the thoughts that was going through your head to maybe some of the nerves that you might have been dealing with. Um, and would you say that now uh, you still are, you, are you still pursuing like acting as a, 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 as a career now, or, you know, where, where does that leave you with that? 
For sure. Yeah. So the funny thing is I was never fully pursuing acting. I was just kind of going with the flow, honestly, man, like opportunities kept coming up and I just kept saying yes. <laughs> so like, I, yeah, I still do some stuff on the side. I was in a baseball movie that I can't really talk about too much, but you guys will see it. It'll be a really good uh, baseball movie coming out on Disney. It's a Disney channel movie. Uh, so I got a chance to do that a few, probably a few weeks ago, maybe a month and a half ago. But I'm really good friends with people in the community now. So opportunities come up and I just say yes to them. But I wouldn't say I'm necessarily pursuing acting. I got my SAG card, stuff like that. So I'm technically an actor, uh, but I don't pursue it as heavy as most people because of my business. I'm super tied down with that. Man, and I definitely want to use that as a as a segue, too, because uh, it sounds like you focus you focused on first, you know, your brand, your business you know, your, your livelihood and it's put you in a position now to where you can be a lot more open-minded, a lot more receptive to opportunities to do other things that you kind of enjoy and are passionate about without having to necessarily make the sacrifice that most people have to make love, you know, you know, struggling, you know, not working a job and really struggling or, you know, overworking yourself by having two jobs so that you can live. And then, you know, pursuing that is like, it, it sounds like you focused on one right. thing first, got it, got it together. And it's like, just opened up time freedom to where you can focus on, you know, stumbling across acting opportunities, which is big, you know, congratulations on that. So right. um, my, my next question for you, John, Thanks, is, you man. know, just tell us a little bit about your experiences growing up and, you know, everything that has kind of molded you into the person that's sitting here with us today. I mean, my childhood has a lot of the foreshadowing. Like, you read a book and it's like, this happens, kind of foreshadowing the future. That's what happened with me all seven years old. I tried out for recreation. Not tried out, but you're not supposed to try out. I just signed up for recreation basketball. And everybody in recreation, for those of you that don't know, are supposed to pick. But for whatever reason, they skipped over my name. Something happened. And they didn't pick me for the recreation team, which, like, even the trashest person on the team is supposed to like make the recreation team. So I go back as a young kid. I don't understand that a mistake happened. I think they just purposely didn't pick me. So at that point, I had two options in my life. Even as a kid, I could cry about it. I could be defeated. I could give up. Or I could be like, I'm going to make sure this never happens again. And I took the latter of those two. My dad has stories from pulling me from shooting basketball at like 11 p.m. when I'm supposed to be in bed, other kids playing video games. I'm out on the basketball court shooting hoops with no net and a tire basketball goal, just dedicated, bro. I was just like obsessed because I was like, there's never going to be a time again in my life where I try out for basketball. I don't make the team. And a few months later, they ended up correcting their error. Like halfway through the year, I played my first game, dropped 33 points as like a seven-year-old, like 11 threes. (laughs) And that was all she wrote. But like the key is like at that moment, I had a decision to either quit or keep going. And fast forward, even in my high school, my own basketball coach told me I'd never play basketball in college. Like nobody, I was too small. Nobody was going to give me a shot. So once again, I could either take that for what it was or be like, all right, we'll see. And that's been my mentality about everything. If anybody who's doubted me, it just kind of fuels me. And I push forward and of course ended up playing basketball on a scholarship and playing at a very high level. So, but you asked about my childhood and growing up and how that shaped me. I think a lot of it was not listening to naysayers and how I responded to adversity. And I think that relates directly to business because you're always going to run into adversity. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be days where you feel like, man, why am I even doing this? And you can either choose to pursue 
and persevere and keep going, or you can choose to allow it to stop you and stop you from accomplishing your dreams and what you're passionate about. So that's a life lesson. Like for all of you out there, if you're pursuing something, if you're going after something, don't quit. I know it sounds cliche and everybody's like, don't quit, keep going. But really you keep showing up every day. And even better, if you want to do something 10 times better than the rest of the people, show up with a good spirit and watch how much faster you progress than everybody else out there. Absolutely. I, I agree 100%. And man, just shout out to you for coming to a place of realization and, and taking self-inventory and realizing the things that fuel you and things of that nature. So, I mean, you, you made a very good analogy as far as, you know, the life experiences that you had and, you know, business, you know, you're, you're right. You know, business is nothing but adversity because especially if you start in a new business, you are facing something new every single day, you know, what is the mindset that you should adopt, you know, uh, when starting a new business, uh, and being hit with these fears, being hit with adversity, being hit with, uh, doubt, self-doubt a lot of the times, you know, what is somebody at yep. uh, the mindset that you should adopt to be able to overcome those, you know, beginning nerves for lack of better words. You'd asked me that a few years ago, I would probably have a lot of different answers to you, but over the course of my decade now of being in business, um, I've really come, boiled it down to two things. So number one, my mentor used to say this out to me all the time, what you focus on grows. And it's very, very simple, but it's super profound if you think about it on a deep level, because every single day we're faced with negative things, we're faced with those fears, we're faced with those doubts. But also if you find it in each day, there's promise, there's purpose, there's a lot of good things that you can get out of each day. And whatever you choose to focus on grows. There's a story um, that you probably can Google and find it about the two wolves living on the inside of you. And I, I forget if it's like Indian based or where it comes from, but basically the story is there's two wolves living on the inside of you. One is your fear, your doubt, your insecurity. One is your purpose, your passion, everything that's good about you. And uh, the grandfather's telling this story to his grandchild and the grandchild's like, well, which wolf wins? And the grandfather's like, whichever one you choose to feed. So you can choose to feed whichever one you want. You can feed the doubt, the insecurity, the fear, or you can choose to feed the purpose, the passion, everything that's good about you. Whichever one you feed, whichever one you focus on, that's going to grow. So that's number one, choose to focus on the good. And then number two out of that is um, you can't take failure. You can't take adversity too seriously. If you choose to get down on yourself, if you take it too seriously, if you spend a lot of time on it, it's going to overcome you. But if when you get to the point where you don't even pay attention to it, you just accept it as a part of the day and you continue to persevere on through your through your goals and through everything that you work towards up to this point, uh, that's when you'll be successful. But as long as you're giving too much credit to your fear, to your doubt, to your failures, failure is just a part of the process. It's a stepping stone. And when you start treating it like nothing more than that, that's when you know you're on your way to success. Yeah. And I like that. Uh, I like that story of the wolf. It it, it really is um, a story of the whole theme of what the Million Dollar Mind podcast is, to be honest, John. I mean, it's just about uh, the law of attraction is what we talk about a lot. Uh, manifesting your realities is what we talk about a lot. And really the difference between a scarce mindset and an abundant mindset. You know, if you continue mm -hmm. to have the scarcity and you think that, you know, people are always out to get you or there's not enough opportunity or there's not enough money. You know, that, as you said, is what's going to grow and that's what's going to be attracted to 
you know, your day-to-day living. Whereas on the flip flip side, if you feed the abundance, like, oh, I can do anything I want. I can follow my passions. I can make a living doing what I love. Then as you actually to your own living testimony, you know, you eventually start attracting opportunities to do more and more of what you enjoy, even if you're not doing it intentionally, it kind of just falls in your lap, like you mentioned. So I appreciate you. I never heard of that story with the with the wolf and i appreciate there's another you. one that goes you said something else sorry to cut you off but yeah, that reminded me of another fairly good saying that i live by and my mentor used to say this too um because you talked you talked about attracting opportunities and he used to say what you chase eludes you but who you become what what you become you attract so so many people are out here chasing money chasing this chasing that and it's just a constant chase and the reason the chase never ends is because what you chase eludes you but when you focus on becoming, what does it take for me to become the person that's a seven-figure earner? What, what does it become take to become the person that's uber successful, a good father, a good this, a good that? Focus on becoming. And how do we become? We become by inputting things. So inputting books, inputting podcasts, inputting mentors into our life, coaches into our life, new information, new ways of looking at things. When you focus on doing that and becoming the person it takes then you attract all these opportunities and the ability to actually step into that purpose. But as long as you're just chasing and not focusing on growing and becoming, it's always going to elude you. It'll be a never ending chase. Man. And man, what you, what you said there gave me a, a quick flashback into my, my childhood of the, the, the chase. And if I haven't learned one thing from growing up on Tom and Jerry is exactly that. Like, <laughs> As you watch it, all Tom is doing is chasing the chasing the race, chasing Jerry the whole time. And he ends up getting hurt, missing opportunities. He ends up missing the girl. He he ends up doing a whole lot of foolishness. He never (laughs) we never wins at the end. But when you look at Spike, the dog who is not really focused too much on the mouse, Jerry is like always near the dog who ends up chasing away the cat. Like he's like always with the dog. So like, that's what I learned to more so be the dog, more so be Spike, you know, have that dog, that, that doggish mentality, the grit, but also be nonchalant, uh, and, but yet hungry. And you always end up getting the the mouse, for lack of better words. That's one thing that I learned Absolutely. that you just kind of reminded me of. So I love that. Love Tom and Jerry. <laughs> bro, that was my show growing up. And people used to look at me like, how can you watch that? They don't talk, but it's like right. so, much, so much that you miss in there. So man, that, that's that's funny. So so John, with you being um someone that helps helps, you know, countless entrepreneurs with building a business online and you know, uh, a tangible business as well, what would you define as like, would you say that there's a difference between a personal brand and a professional brand? And if so, from your experience, do you think that the two are meant to be separate or do, are they meant to be, uh, to coexist? So I believe that number one, it depends on the type of business. But if we're talking specifically about brands and branding yourself, I believe they almost have to go together because in this day and age, it's not like our grandparents' day and age, great-grandparents, where I want to work with a business where the main thing, because the main thing has shifted from credibility for lack of a better term and working with a big conglomerate to now connection. And that's the main thing that people in this day and age care about is connection. And for that purpose, people are less and less likely to go the corporate route and look for huge conglomerates and more and more likely to want to work with other people that they can relate to that are just like them. 
And so for that reason, more than ever now, personal brands, personal brand, I mean, take the word, there's person in personal brand. You need to be a part of that brand. I don't think that you can separate the two because at the end of the day, people are going to work with you for you and how you embody the brand, not just as a standalone brand and what it stands for on its own. So the two almost have to go together in this day and age. Uh, 100%. And then as far as I know, so so is that what you're saying? The difference between a professional brand and a personal brand would be the professional brand more so um, how you uh, brand yourself in a work environment versus a professional uh, personal brand is how you brand who you are. Right. It's, it's how you brand who you are. Um, but also my business, I mean, for me, most of the money that we make, actually all the money that we make, for the virtual legacy, as far as through social media comes through my page. Like I have the virtual legacy page. I have the virtual legacy website, but at the end of the day, people gravitate heavily more to talking with me, interacting with me, making business and money decisions from interacting with me. The brand is great. It shows that you have something. It shows that something exists and embodies what your movement is. But at the end of the day, to really move the needle online, you're going to want to operate as yourself. Most of your money I would argue uh, probably 999 times out of 1,000, if you had a business profile, you had a personal profile, your personal profile is going to generate more money for you than your business profile will. Mm, that's, a, that's, a, that's a very strong uh, observation to, to make because I know so many of us, when in the beginning phases of branding, the first thing we think to do is we got to create a business page separate from our personal page. And then we go into putting all of our energy into that and we stop posting our personal, you know, lives and, you know, the things that we're trying to accomplish uh, and really pretty much go non-existent on our personal pages as opposed to the right. business page. So what you're right. saying is, and, and what I'm getting from all of this is, John, is that we really should now in today's era of social media, we should look to make our personal brands more of a professional brand and kind of Absolutely. intertwine the two you know, tie in, you know, a bit of your personality, your core values, you know, how you treat people, how you treat yourself, but then also display what you've done in business, uh, your metrics, the success that you had, the failures that you have, kind of have a healthy balance of the, the two. Yes, sir. Absolutely. People want to work with people. Your business is a container for your dream. Think of it like that. So you are, you embody your dream. You are your dream. You are your business. Your business is just this container you put everything in to say, look, this is everything that was going on in my head. This is what was going on in my heart. I put it over here. I call it the virtual legacy. But at the end of the day, you are your business. You are your dream. When people come, you just let them know, look, hey, I created this container to show off my dream, to show off my vision. But at the end of the day, you're talking to me. You're working with me. You're believing in my vision. I saw this uh Face, I think it was like a Facebook story or something like that. And this was, it was this guy going real hard about how we're buying, when you buy stuff, you buy a name. He was talking about Rolls Royce and he was talking about how that's a name, McDonald's, that's a name, Rolex and all of these things. Like these are names, you're buying names, you're not buying brands. And that's true. Even those huge conglomerates that we think of at this, as these big companies, Tommy Hilfiger, like that's a name, that's a person, like we're buying people. So, I mean, truth has been the same across the board for decades and decades. It's just evolved in the way that it looks. It wasn't social media. I, I would bet you that if Tommy Hilfiger started Tommy Hilfiger today, his personal profile 
would be the way that he pushed most of his clothes and it'd have millions and millions of followers. And that will be what we know as Tommy Hilfiger. We'd see his face more than just the name. So mm-hmm. that's been the case for decades and decades. People buy names, but now more than ever, people can put a face with the name. That's the only difference. No. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very true. Social media is, is like, you know, is, is wildfire. It can be used to a very strong advantage, but if you misuse it, it also could be, um, it could hinder your uh, growth as well. What are some ways from your experience, by the way, have you seen that the overuse or misuse of social media has might've hindered, you know, some brands that you've might've worked with? For sure. The only way you can overuse social media is if you're always selling and not giving value. You can't ever mm-hmm. give too much value to people, but if you're out there pushing products or uh, pushing your services and that's what you lead with, um, then you're going to lose and people are not going to want to follow you because they're going to see you as just a salesperson. So, but if your heart is in a place of, let me, we have two main things in my business that we always talk about impact and connection. If you focus on nothing but impact and connection, impacting people's life for the better, you do that by giving value through what you're talking about and truly connecting with people. Meaning when people have questions, they reach out to you, you take the time to actually stop and connect with those people on a deeper level. You don't, you do those things, you'll win big on social media. But if you're just constantly posting about your products and buy this and buy that, um, people are going to tune you out. They're not even going to pay attention to you. Mm-hmm. And going back to what we was just talking about a few minutes ago is, you know, that persona is the chase persona, right? You know, buy right. this, buy this, <laughs> sell, sell, sell. It's, it's the chasing a dollar mentality yep. that it, that really detracts and makes people want to stray away from working with you as opposed to the attracting is giving, you know, giving attracts people. When you give, people always care about what you can give and what you can do for me. I think even Janet yep. Jackson had a song is what have you done for me lately, right? It's like, that's, right, the, true, exactly. <laughs> that's the true persona of most people. They they care about what you can give and what you can provide to them. So to your point, uh, I, I agree with that. And um, man, we, we, we went on a tangent about brands. I'm very curious though, John, as far as you know, your brand and, and the things that you've done to, you know, mold into the successful business owner that you are. I know we talked a little bit about the mindset uh, shift that you've had uh, in your younger years, but what initial steps did you take, you know, to get out of your current situation into the, well, your previous situation into the situation that you are now of being a seven figure business owner? And a, that honestly is such a hard question to answer because, mm. <laughs> A lot of stuff that, and I don't mean this in any type of way, but a lot of stuff that I feel like people work through mindset-wise, I was, thank God, it's not on my own accord. I was blessed with inherently, either inherently or those lessons as a young kid taught me and verified it. I don't know which one it is, to be honest with you. I'm not going to pretend I have all the answers here, but it's either that Mm. when I was young, I made those certain decisions which formed my way of thinking and formed the way I operate, or I was born with something that made that inherit. But the main things that I'm speaking of are things like persistence and being able to push through adversity. I think that's one thing that whether you have it inherently or if you have to work on it, you have to develop to be successful. Um, taking failure and take really taking yourself, not taking yourself too serious, because it's one thing to take failure too serious. It's another thing to take yourself too serious. If you take yourself too serious, if you feel like you got to have it all figured out, um, you're setting yourself up to lose, man, because you will be humbled a lot more than you will actually hold that trophy up in the air. (laughs) So if you're not good at 
being humbled, if you take it too seriously, if that's the type of stuff that makes you bow and quit, then man, the journey is going to be a very painful one for you. But when you learn to just take the lessons for what they are, take the slap on the wrist, um, humble yourself, I would, I would say that that's the number one trait that's allowed me to be here. Um, I remember saying a prayer that I would advance very quickly. And what I lacked in time, I made up for an intensity. So I actually came up with a t-shirt and everything that's like intensity over time. Because what I lacked in time, people spent 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. I'm not that patient. I don't want to take that long. So what I lacked Mm -hmm. in time, I made up for in intensity. So my action was very fast. But that also, the flip side of that, it meant my failures and the pain was magnified. So the pain that Mm -hmm. would normally come over 40 years. I experienced that pain in three years. So now what are you going to do when you're going through that pain? It's very easy to quit. It's very easy to say, what am I doing here? But if you can endure that, the more pain you can endure in a shorter period of time, the faster you move. The less pain you can endure over time, the longer it's going to take you to get your goals. So you kind of just have to, just like working out or anything else like that, you kind of have to accept pain as an inevitable thing, failure, defeat, accept all that stuff as inevitable and choose to keep moving forward. I would say that's the number one thing that I have that's allowed me to move at the speed that I move. Yeah, I, I like that. I you know I more than like that. I love that intensity over <laughs> time because that is a, a direct reflection of the social media area that we in. Everybody, I think, mm-hmm. and you know, is right on the same page with you, you know, wants mm-hmm. to do things less than the 40 year, the, you know, the 40 year road of working for this corporation and getting a pension plan. That's not the route that a lot of people want to take anymore. So intensity over time, you know, is a reflection of success, love, speed. You know, if you want to exactly. have the success, you gotta, you gotta do it with action and, and consistent action at that. So, hey, well, here's the problem with that though. A mm-hmm. lot of people, they want it fast. They want it faster, but they don't set their expectations up. Right. If fast doesn't mean tomorrow, Fast doesn't mean a lot of times next month, next year. Like for me, I got here. It took me seven years still to get where I was to where I had even built a company that was super substantial. And seven years for a lot of people is a lot of time. But in hindsight, like in the grand scheme of things, how long did it used to take people to build seven figure companies? People used to have to dedicate years of understudy and then years of trying it themselves and failing and then finally a little success and then finally scaling the seven figures so in the grand scheme of things where it takes uh, maybe the average person 30 years to build took me seven now it doesn't mean that seven is not doesn't feel like a lot of time like when you're in it and you're trust me you're struggling like me i struggled for five years straight without making any money bro i mean nothing i mean living on the bare minimum that's part of what that that pain looks like that I'm talking about and being willing to endure that pain for a certain amount of time. So for most people, not being able to show off, not being able to go out with their friends, not being able to do basic things like afford the gas to get around town and doing that for five years, for most people, they're not going to do that. So like, (laughs) that's what I mean. When I say pain, a lot of times you got to be willing to endure stuff that other people aren't willing to go through if you want to move faster, or you could take longer and be a little more comfortable. But just realize, be realistic about what you're signing up for. If you say, man, I want to do this in five years. Okay, that's cool. But be ready for what it takes to do this in five years. Definitely, definitely. It's about the um, taking another uh, scan of self-inventory, right? Be re- be realistic about 
your actions versus the outcomes, right? If you right. know you want speed, then you know with speed comes certain sacrifices. If you know right. you don't want to make those sacrifices, you know you're sacrificing time as well. So that's exactly. a great point. I, I appreciate you adding on to that. Um, yep. I, I know that you said it was a couple lessons that you've learned along that way. If you could, you know, was there any specific lesson or mistake that you've made that uh, sticks out to you in hindsight that you found was essential for you to make and it was essential for you to make and for you to grow from it? What, what, what would that mistake be? I would say the most important skill take business out of it. A lot of times people think about business and you think sales, you think marketing, you think all the details of business. And if I can master all of that, then I will be a successful business owner. And there's some truth to that. The skills are definitely important, but the hardest thing that you're going to do in your business career and in your life really is deal with people. So if you can learn how to deal with people, how to manage, manage your emotions and deal with people, if you can master those two things, you will be successful at anything you do in life, including business, because those are by far the hardest two things to do. Managing your emotions. Every day, you're going on a roller coaster. If you let you, you're, you're going to be going highs, lows, highs, lows, highs, lows. You have to know how to manage your emotions, number one, and you have to know how to deal with people, number two. So if I had to boil everything in business down to two things, that's it. I would focus on sales, because at the end of the day, sales is knowing how to manage your emotions and knowing how to deal with people. Leading mm -hmm. a team is knowing how to manage your emotions, knowing how to deal with people. When adversity comes up, guess what? People are mad about something or upset about something. If you know how to manage your emotions and deal with people, you'll be able to overcome that. So really, if we had to put everything in a nutshell, business boils down to those two things, managing your emotions and dealing with people. And I will say this, as a, uh, you asked about a lesson I had to learn, I learned so many lessons in dealing with people and keeping your cool, keeping a level head, even when, even when you really feel like someone else is wrong and you're right. And this can be for life too, not just business, being able to keep a level head, being able to make the logical decisions, being able not to say something that could possibly ruin a friendship, ruin a partnership, ruin a client potentially coming into your business. Because a lot of times when dealing with people, we still go back to our innate instinct, which is to put our ego first. So if someone comes and they're wrong, we immediately want to hop on them. We immediately want to get our point across. We immediately want to show that we're right. But a lot of times the way to build something successful is being able to put your ego aside and really focus on progress instead of focusing on right or wrong. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of times where your ego is going to have to die and it can't be about me being right. It has to be about progress. And sometimes you have to let the other person feel that they're right or that like it's, and it's tough. You're going to have to make them feel like they're in the right or make them feel like they're, what they're saying is valid, even though it may not be just because you're sacrificing your ego for the sake of progress. Um, so you asked me what I had to learn. I had to learn that. And the better I get at that, the better I'm able to lead people, the better I'm able to do sales, the better I'm able to market, the better I'm able to do all of that stuff. Because now what happens is I'm putting the other person before me. And when I'm able mm -hmm. to do that, that's the number one thing that will allow you to influence and impact people when you put their needs before your own. Mm -hmm. I, I I agree. I agree 100%. You know, just from studying the different sales books that I've read to doing sales for the last three, four years that I have, 
I, I will say exactly the same thing. You know, the better I got at sales, the better I learned how to deal with people, put their needs over minds and be very transparent and honest. Like there's even been times where I told someone like, Hey, I don't think that this is for you, to be honest. Right. And it turned into other opportunities for them to be like, Oh, wow. You actually didn't get a sale because like it just trans, it just translates into so many other things. Uh, Would you say that there will be anything that you would have done differently along your, your journey of building your business? If I was the person I am today, then 100%. I asked that question twofold. Number one, I needed everything I've been through to be the person I am today. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't necessarily trade it and do it differently in that sense. But I, if I have to do it again, then I 100% will do certain things differently. Um, I think some of the main things, honestly, let me answer this from a practical perspective. A lot of times what I found, especially with new entrepreneurs, this is the cycle. And I'm actually investing in a few entrepreneurs right now, helping them start their businesses. So I see that very, this very clearly. A lot of times you go in a cycle as a new entrepreneur. Number one, you're focused on making sales. You're like, man, I want to get in this game. I want to make some money. And then you make a little bit of money. But then what happens is now it's time to fulfill. So now you have customers. And now you get pulled into the drama of having to fulfill for customers. And if they like this, don't like that. And you get pulled into that drama and now your whole world just becomes the drama of solving other people's problems from a customer perspective, which is great. That's amazing. You have to 100% fulfill for your clients, but there's a skill in learning how to full on fulfill for your clients while also keeping your business at the top of your mind. Robert Kiyosaki calls it minding your own business. Mm-hmm. So you get you go from a point of minding everybody else's or minding your business to you get a few clients, now you're minding their business. Now you're neglecting your business. Now your business is going to die. Sure, you'll work with those people. It's going to happen. And then eventually you're going to find yourself broke again. You're going to find yourself more discouraged because you started working with these people. Some people didn't like it. That hurt your feelings. Now you feel like, why am I doing this in the first place? And it's a cycle. And some people, that's it. That's the end of their entrepreneurial journey. Few clients, one person with a bad taste because you didn't do everything properly, you question yourself and you quit. But the root of it is you didn't continue to mind your own business. You lost sight of the dream that you had. You lost sight of the reason why you were doing this in the first place. And the first sign of resistance caused you to quit. So that's what I would say is for a brand new entrepreneur, don't lose sight of why you're doing it. Continue to mind your own business. And it's very easy for me to sit here on this podcast and talk about managing your emotions, talk about overcoming adversity. It's a whole nother thing to be in the trenches, working with those clients. Certain people love you. Certain people hate you. The hate sometimes can sound a lot louder than the the love can. And it's up to you to take the good, like we talked about early in this podcast, focus on the good instead of focusing on the bad and build upon the good. And guess what? Eventually, you will have an amazing product that almost everybody loves. But nobody's going to start off there from day one. But that's an easy way for new entrepreneurs to lose is start focusing on other people's business, hear the hate, focus on the hate, get discouraged, quit. That's the end of the journey. I see it so often. Mm -hmm. And and one thing that you said that stuck out to me the most was remembering the why. And, you know, you 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 called it niche. I call it niche. You know, some may say it's (laughs) a. your passion, some may say it's your purpose. How would you define what a niche is and how essential it is to 
how essential and central it is to building the brand and the business. For sure. So I'm, I want to answer that twofold because you mentioned the why as well, and you mentioned the niche. So the niche um, is specifically who the audience that you're passionate about helping, helping and the audience you feel you can help the best. So on the niche front, I would say definitely pick someone that you strongly feel you can get results. And I would say narrow that niche down as much as possible. Now, that's contrary to a lot of people's belief. I know it's contrary to my belief as a new entrepreneur. And I will tell you, it costs me lots and lots of money. I remember taking my first program at 19 years old and they talked about niching down and my immediate mindset was, I don't want to limit myself. I want to be able to reach everybody. And I thought that by me not limiting myself, quote unquote, that that would allow me to reach more people. When in reality, it made me a generalist that didn't specialize in anything. And what I learned over my time in business is that people don't work with with generalists. You don't go have an expensive surgery, a life-threatening surgery with someone who's a generalist. You go to a specialist. You don't go to get your teeth cleaned by a generalist. You go to a specialist. People want to work with and they trust specialists. They don't trust generalists. So when it comes to identifying your niche, you want to get as narrowed down as possible in a relevant niche so that people can come to you as a specialist because that's at the end of the day, that's who makes the big money. That's who people pay the big money to is a specialist, not a generalist. So that would be my advice as far as a niche. Now, as far as your why, um, there's a few different things that can motivate you to actually act and do things. Some are some people are motivated by the what, which is what they're doing. Uh, what they wake up and do every day motivates them. Some people are motivated by a who. So this can be your children. This can be your family. This can be a significant other. It can be a multitude of people. Some people are motivated by the who. Some people are motivated by causes. Um, causes that they are passionate about. You look at Martin Luther King and the cause that he fought for. I mean, that's he was motivated by the cause. That was his main driving force. So there's a lot of different, and then a very rare person is someone motivated by the how, which is exactly how things are done. They're perfectionists. So it doesn't even matter what, it doesn't matter why, cause doesn't matter, none of that matters. They do great work simply because they take pride and get passion from how they do things and doing things perfectly. That's a very rare person. Um, but the bottom line is there's a lot of different whys, quote unquote, that could fuel you to do what you do. So for you, it's identifying which one of those is relevant to you. Are you motivated by the what? Are you motivated by the how? Are you motivated by a cause, the why? Um, there's a lot of different things. The who is a specific person that drives you. Identifying that driving force is a very essential part to being successful in business. Yeah. And you said um, the the the. The, the statements that you made about the generalists and the specialists made me think about um, the movie, The Patriot with Mel Gibson. He was, mm-hmm. uh, when he was making the little bullets and he was telling his son, you know, trying to prep, prep his sons for war. And he was telling them, you know, when you aim at, at a man, you, you know, aim at the button on his coat, because if you aim small, you miss small. And that's the mm-hmm. specialist. Pretty much what you're saying is a lot of people take this generalist type view view when they start their business and who they want to service and they end up missing the mark because their their mark was the man right and if you're aiming at the man (laughs) you end up hitting nothing (laughs) so it's like what you're saying is you gotta aim at the button and even if you miss the button you may hit a couple inches to the left of it to the right of it to the top or the bottom but the 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 point is you you hit your target um and you end up hitting your target much more accurately and consistently than you know, not at all, which is what you're Absolutely. saying. 
So absolutely, 100%. With a niche, I know that it can still be very tricky. It's, it's one thing to say, oh, I just got to focus on, you know, a specific group of people that I can sell to. But how do you get to the nitty gritty? I'm, at, I'm asking mm-hmm. for the sauce now. How, how do you actually <laughs> hey. identify, how, what are some steps that you take to actually identify that group and what that looks like for you? Because that could be different for you as it is for of me, course. as it is for any of the millionaires that may be listening. Of course. Well, I, I'm going to assume that I'm talking to people across many different platforms, so I'm not going to mm-hmm. focus on one specific in- industry. Uh, it starts off with that why that we talked about, though, getting passionate about what you want to do. So who do you want to serve? What are you passionate about? What's going to make you get up every single morning and want to get after it? Start there, because if you don't have that, then I don't care what niche you choose, you're going to quit because you're not driven to actually continue serving those people. So that's number one. Um, as far as getting into the nitty gritty, there's three main categories that we start off with. There's wealth, there's health and relationships. People in a nutshell, yes, there's smaller categories, but people don't care about anything outside of those three things. Nothing outside of those three things is going to move people to take action or purchase services. So you have to be in wealth, health or relationship. Now, after you choose that category, it's time for you to dive deeper into the specifics of what you'll provide in that category. So I'm going to use this since this is my specialty and who we serve. But as an example, how I choose my niche, we start off with wealth because I want to help people make money. I'm passionate about helping people to make money. There's some of you out there that are passionate about helping people to get healthy. Some of you that are passionate about fixing relationships. I'm passionate about making people money. So I chose wealth. Number two, I had to decide what within wealth I was passionate about. I'm passionate about helping people specifically in the real estate niche because I believe that that niche is what generates true generational wealth. The reason my company's name is The Virtual Legacy is because it's so strong about building a legacy. And I believe that real estate is one of the things that helps people to build a legacy. It's proven by the numbers. It's the best way to build a legacy. So bam, chose real estate. Now from that point, you get into what's called subcategories. So instead of me just stopping at real estate, I can go deeper. So there's multifamily real estate, there's wholesaling real estate, there's fix and flipping real estate. Now by me choosing one of those categories, I'm niched down even more. So now let's say I'm in wholesaling. Now I'm specifically talking to people that want to get into wholesaling. So now let's say I do an ad or something like that. I'm talking on social media. Hey guys, I want to talk to you today about wholesaling in real estate. I want to talk about how you can use little to no money, turn that into cash so that you can then fund your other projects and other businesses and other ventures that you want to have. And then you can do all of that through wholesaling. So now what happens is my message is super targeted. Instead of me getting on, this is what a message, I want to break it down step by step. You ask for specifics, I'm going deep. If I were just targeting wealth, I would say, hey, audience, how would you like to make money? Making money is amazing. Making money is cool. Making money helps you to get to your goal. I'm going to get some people a little bit interested, like, okay, but for the most part, people are going to be like, okay, I kind of knew that already too. Cool. This guy's talking about stuff, but he's talking about stuff I already knew. But when I get deeper and I start talking about wholesaling, hey guys, do you want to learn how to make money in real estate with little to no money down and without acquiring any properties? Now it's like, wait, what is that? Like, what did he talk? No money down. I don't have to take on a property. Like, what is that? So now there's that aura of curiosity, of intrigue, like, okay. This is something that I feel I can actually learn about. And that's a perfect articulation of how niching down makes all the difference in the world. You see wealth, nobody cares. They just think you're a fool. Real estate is like, eh, I care, but I know that already. 
But one step down, all of a sudden, now it's something relevant to someone, something that sparks their curiosity. And that's the power of niching down. Mm-hmm. And it may even be the third time that they heard the word, but never really made any actions like, oh, wow, that, there goes that word again, that word that I'm, right. I'm, I'm familiar with, but not familiar with. So uh, right. that's, exactly. that's, that's, that's pretty interesting. Um, once you have identified what your niche is, what would you say the mindset needs to be to now build a brand around that niche? Mm-hmm. So people, your audience cares about one thing, and that's you being able to get them to their desired result. A lot of people get lost in the weeds when they're trying to create their offer, create a service. At the end of the day, the first step that you need to determine is where do I want to get my audience to? So going back to wholesaling, quick example, I want to be able to get people to their first deal in wholesaling. Now that's my North Star. Now any program I create, any services that I'm offering are all centered around helping this new person get to their first deal in real estate. Or let's take a health example. I want to help uh, new moms that just had a baby get back to their pre-pregnancy weight. That's a very specific goal. Now I can go and backtrack and create a program all centered around helping that new mom get back to her weight pre-pregnancy. So the main thing with actually creating a program and creating something of value is begin with the end in mind. What result do you want to get your people to? Now create the program that actually gets people to that desired result. Excellent. Excellent. I, that's a, I think that's a great way to put that. Um, this one, this next question is more so about you as, as we starting to wrap things up, John, you know, now that you are very much established, you have pretty much your niche figured out, you have the brand figured out, you are walking now, it seems in your purpose, where in the industry that you're in, you know, did you find your passion? I know that there's so many sublets of what you do, where in what you do, did you find that passion of yours? Um, two things, really, watching people transform for the better, watching someone who didn't necessarily know their destiny, their purpose, or didn't necessarily believe it was possible, and watching them accomplish things that completely takes the limits off their mind and lets them know that their dreams are possible. I get a ton of fulfillment from watching that happen. And then secondly, I feel that I'm on this earth and I'm called to help free the minds of people, and specifically the minds of people that have a poverty mentality especially growing up where I grew up at, it's very easy to think you can't amount to anything. You're nothing but whatever society tells you you are. There's a limit on what you're capable of doing, capable of accomplishing. I get a lot of fulfillment from taking that barrier off of people's minds, that limiting belief and showing them that they are capable specifically of earning more money than they ever thought possible in their life and showing them that they're more than what their society and surroundings tells them they are they can be whatever they want to be. Um, so those two things are what really drive me and make me so passionate about what I do. I'll give you an example. I have a, a girl in our program, a lady in our program. Um, she joined, she bought our course and she, I don't, I've never talked to her as far as on a call like this with you, giving her advice, anything like that. She shared some personal stuff with me that I'm not going to share to the audience, obviously, but she was really going through it. And she's from a town that reminded me a lot about the town that I'm from. So that limiting belief, and she went through that. And after going through, I have a section on mindset specifically and diving into your past and digging up those deep-rooted issues so that you can overcome them and become 
more than your deep-rooted issues from the past, more than what your past is telling you are. She went through that program. She overcame those limiting beliefs about herself. And now she's hitting me up in our group almost every day, it seems like, making new sales, doing new things, accomplishing things that she probably never thought was possible. Um, so at the end of the day, that's my driving force. That's why I do that, to take somebody from a place where they didn't believe things were possible to a place where they're liberated and have a whole new world of possibilities. That's the reason that I do what I do. 1000%. And that's, those are the type of people like yourself that, that we need, man. It's like so many people that are still enslaved by their own minds, you know, so stuck with the limiting beliefs that really just need someone like you to kind of pick them up out of that, that, that limiting belief or out that thought and just kind of see things for what they really are and what they actually can be and what they actually can be is whatever they want it to be. Right. So um, <laughs> with that being said, John, I got to say, I appreciate you for, you know, taking time out of your evening to, you know, drop some gems on our millionaires as we uh, wrap things up. I do want to switch gears to one of my favorite segments. Of course, I love learning about each of my guests, you know, their, their journeys and, you know, them dropping the gems but this segment is called rapid fire and it's brought to you by pod decks so i got five random questions that uh, i don't even know what they say um and i don't want you to kind of overthink them just hit me with the first thing that comes to your mind it's more of like an icebreaker have fun with it uh and then just really just peel off the you know the layers of the onion uh for our millionaires to get to know you a little bit deeper that's all let's do it all right so the first one is, if you were reincarnated as a famous person, who would it be? Uh, Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, the other one. <laughs> What's something that you've never been able to do well? Ooh. Anything to do with balance. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like Walking a tightrope or uh, whether that's like skiing surfing anything that has to do with balance for whatever reason my fast twitch muscles just get shaken and it just doesn't end up well so. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying is if you ever got pulled over you might fail the walk in a straight line test for no apparent reason <laughs> well it's funny it's so hard to explain because like balance as far as athletic things like if you're bumping into me while i'm dribbling a ball i can keep my like foundation mm -hmm. but when it comes to walking on things or balancing on an object specifically gotcha. stuff like that for whatever reason man my crazy legs they just go crazy it's like, <laughs> it's like i struggle with that so. it, it might at this point be a limited belief <laughs> Pro might be man i might need to get on it <laughs> yeah there the next one uh oh this one's a good one what's your worst roommate or house guest story oh man so I got a couple of them, man. Uh, my worst one is probably I had a roommate, and this is, I, I was pretty successful at this point, and we had this super nice place in town, Dallas, um, and I remember having, this was a new roommate, had never lived with them before, but it was a business partner, I'm not going to call them out by name, but they had some puppies, and they would let the puppies run around the living room and just, like, poop everywhere, bro. like, balconies, like, and they wouldn't pick it up. Like I'm walking out and I'm stepping on poop. I'm like, I'm like, what's happening, oh, bro? No. So I had to call that. We had to get that straight, of course. But like, that's my probably my worst roommate story. It's just, man, get your dogs, bro. You can't be pooping in the living room. 
damn sure the worst one. And not even the like, not even the accidental pooping. It's the not having the urgency to pick it up. Right, exactly. <laughs> Mistake is heck? fine, but you can't. We can't be having minefields, a minefield in here. We got, <laughs> we got to get it straight. <laughs> oh man, not minefields. <laughs> All right, number four, man. What is the funniest place that you've ever fallen asleep? The funniest place I've ever fallen asleep. Wow, that's a very random one. <laughs> mm-hmm. I got to think about that one. I don't know. Most random place I've ever fallen asleep. Oh, oh wow. I don't know, man. I'm actually a pretty light sleeper. So I'm not the type to like be in the middle of a lot of noise and fall asleep. But I would say probably it's not going to be super exciting, but probably the classroom, honestly, <laughs> like in school, falling asleep at the desk. Like that's probably the best I could do as far as random places. For the most part, I'm on my toes, like alert. Yeah. Like, hey, like what's going on around me? <laughs> I'm I'm with you on that, and I and I'm pretty I'm pretty sure I can assume you've probably done the uh, falling out of the sky jump attack in the middle of the classroom oh, yeah. if you fell asleep. Oh yeah, for hundred percent. I do that actually <laughs> often when I am falling asleep. That's like a normal occurrence. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> Coolio, Coolio. Last one here, man. Who or where would you haunt if you were a ghost? Who or where would I haunt if I was a ghost? Hmm. I would haunt my wife because it'd be funny. <laughs> I probably would too, because as I said that question, I, I, I looked up at my wife and was like seeing if she was going to react to that, to that word. Cause she hates the word ghost. Like, really? So I say good. She's like, seriously? Like, don't yeah. say that around mine's, me. Mine's right in front of me too. It made it very easy to answer the question. <laughs> Cool, yo. Well, John, I appreciate you making that fun, man. Uh, as we wrap into this up, I got three closing questions for you. And the first one, I love asking this question every single um, guest that we have, especially on season three, as it's the theme. And, you know, if you could, you know, define what self-love means to you. Uh, self-love, for me, it's really rooted in forgiveness. Um, I think a lot of love is rooted in forgiveness and there's a huge word within love that I believe needs to be attached, which is unconditional. So it's not dependent on what you do or don't do. And I think that's hard for a lot of people to do with others, but especially with themselves is to forgive themselves when they go through certain things and to love themselves unconditionally, not based on achievements or accolades or what you happen to do or not do today. Uh, Mm -hmm. So for me, that's what self-love is, being able to love yourself unconditionally and forgive yourself when you might not meet your expectations. That's a big one, especially the um, the unconditional part and not being I think it even goes back to what you said earlier about not taking yourself so serious. Right. Not beating Mm -hmm. yourself up, you know, when you have those failures, but really actually focusing on what you could have learned from those failures uh, and pushing forward. So that's a big one. Now, if you were to, you know, happen to walk down the street and stumble across 18-year-old John, you know, what would be some advice you would give yourself at 18 years old? Oh, man. What would I tell myself at 18 years old? Um, I would say go full force without any doubts that you will accomplish your goal. Um, Because doubting slows a lot of people down. We spend so much time wondering what if it doesn't happen or thinking from a negative perspective. And I think that slows down most people a lot. 
Um, so I would say like, don't pay attention to the doubts. Don't pay attention to the fears. Go full force because you will accomplish your goal. Focus more about putting the pieces in place and laying a strong foundation than worrying about if you're going to make it or not. 1,000, 1,000. That's uh, some great advice for not just 18-year-old John, but for our millionaires out there who are listening. That's some great advice as well. Um, all right, John. Well, now I want to give you the space, of course, to you know plug yourself in. Tell us where we can you know find and hear a little bit more from you. Any projects that you may have coming out? Some some good news that you might be excited about. Now's the time to share. For sure. Uh, well, you can find me at the Athletic CEO, the Athletic CEO on Instagram. Uh, that's the best place to follow me and keep in touch with everything we have going on. And for those of you that want to build an online business and uh, just need some guidance and some direction, you can go to buildavirtuallegacy.com and get a free blueprint on the exact steps that it takes to actually build your online business. So those would be the main two places that you can find me as far as connection is I'm posting all the time on Instagram at the athletic CEO and buildavirtuallegacy.com for getting that free blueprint to start building your online business. Amazing. Well, super excited to to have you on the show. And as I always say again, John, thanks for just taking time out of your evening uh, to, to drop some gems on our millionaires out there. And as always to the millionaires, I'm super thankful to you all to have you all a part of the show as well. And I want to thank you for being, you know, the change agents that you're bound to become, especially if you apply these principles that you heard today from John. Uh, quick little shameless plug, since we were slightly on the real estate tip for a little bit. Uh, If you are interested in investing in real estate, but you have little time or money to fully jump in, we just launched the Side Hustle Accelerator. It is a 12-week course with a done-for-you experience to help you make huge profits in real estate transactions without really taking ownership of the property. To learn more about how that works and how you can close your first 10 deal in 90 days, visit www.kaispeaks.com slash academy with that being said guys i'm your guy kai speaks and you just heard it from john lewis on building your brand around your niche just remember to keep focus build momentum and drive results so you can live abundantly peace hey guys so thanks to you all the million dollar mind podcast has went global the number one passion and attraction podcast in the world right now with huge support from the UK, Ireland, France, Belgium, Tanzania, and of course, the United States. With this accomplishment, we are getting bigger and better than ever. Now that said, we are soon incorporating video production and YouTube platform to the show so you guys can witness the podcast in full effect. You can now become a supporter of the Million Dollar Mind podcast by visiting the link in the description below. Share your support with me via email and you will receive a free gift. Tis the season to give. Peace.